We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. I see I'm too late. Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game. It is Wednesday evening. You know what that means. It's our chance to... Talk to our Atlanta Falcons reporter, of course, Tori McElhaney. We talk to her each Wednesday as we get ready for another week of Falcons football. Looking for another victory after dominating the San Francisco 49ers. Let's head out to the WadeFord.com hotline and talk to Tori. You can, of course, follow Tori at her Twitter page, at Tori underscore McElhaney. And, of course, AtlantaFalcons.com is where you can check out all of her work. Tori, as always, appreciate it. Thanks for a few minutes here this evening as uh, – you know, the Falcons get ready to go on the road and uh, take on a team that we don't get to see all that often in the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, no, you're right. And it's interesting because we were talking to Arthur Smith today and he made the comment, I really do believe this. He was like, this is a big week for us because you're coming off of a, a pretty decisive win against a good San Francisco 49ers team. It's like, who are they going to be moving forward? And it's something that I wrote about today even where I was talking about okay they've won a game and they've won a game decisively but how the Falcons respond to winning that game I think will be kind of pretty vital to understanding the culture of Atlanta because right now what Arthur Smith was saying is he was he was kind of essentially like you know you have to be objective with your evaluation in a win or in a loss and sometimes it's hard to in a win but if the Falcons can kind of take this 49ers win and kind of ride this high a little bit. I mean, I think you're in a good position to go up to to face the Cincinnati Bengals, who right now they're 3-3 three and three as well. You know, Tori, I've been breaking down numbers like crazy uh, over the last couple of weeks here. And look, here's where we're at. And I think it's very – I think the journey is really fascinating to me. So when Marcus Mariota throws it 20 times or less, they're 3-0. and oh. When he throws it 21 or more times, they're 0-3. Right now, they throw it about a third less than the average quarterback throws it in a game. Also, if you look at last Sunday, the average winning quarterback in the league threw it 34 times in their games. 13 games at 34 attempts per game. The Falcons completed 14 passes, or or attempted 14 passes, excuse me. I don't think any of this is random happenstance. You and I have talked a lot about this. I really do believe that this formula – they have got this thing kind of figured out about we dominate the line of scrimmage, we run the football effectively, we can almost plug and play with our running backs because our offensive line has played well, and we don't let the quarterback put the ball too often in harm's way. It really does feel like when you start to break this down that that formula has really come together as we're really going to hit you know, midway here in a couple of weeks and things like that. It really find, feels like that they have – found their groove for what their offensive identity is. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly what I was going to say. It's like they found their identity. And I think it's really interesting because I think when we were going into this season and we were looking at this team, especially this offense, it was a major question was, what is this offensive identity? And, and what is this team going to look like? And I, I think we have that answer. We're, we're 
six games in and it really does feel like the identity of this team. And I think I've said it on the show before is like, they have a basis, basic foundation in physicality. And that is as evident as we've ever seen it in the run game. I mean, I, I, it was funny because when I was going back through the game this past Sunday against the 49ers, at one point I wrote down, I was like, the Falcons are going back to their roots, which is running the ball. When could we have said that about a Falcons team, that their roots are in running the football? I mean, I don't – it's been a, it's been years. So the fact that that is a part of their identity, that is their roots, I think is so vital to understanding kind of the shift that is happening in Atlanta because I, I think that's what's most evident is how they're running the football and how productive – this offense has been because of it. Tori McElhaney from AtlantaFalcons.com is joining us here in the WadeFord.com hotline. You know, I saw your quote that you put up from Marcus Mariota talking about throwing to Pitts and, and, and just going after it and targeting him more. I was glad to see that because, you know, I, I've said, when it comes to why Kyle Pitts has not scored enough, it's on Arthur Smith, it's on Marcus Mariota, it's on Kyle Pitts, it's on everybody. I do like the idea, yeah. and I'm hoping that maybe that trust gets there about, okay, you know, maybe I can force the ball to him a little bit. Maybe if we get the right scenario, mm. I can push it into him a little bit more. Because, again, as I've said, Tori, they're not, we're not going to change the red zone offense until we talk about how we get Kyle Pitts involved in that. Yeah, and it's interesting because this is something that I feel like we've been talking about all season, particularly in week two and week three when everybody's freaking out about how little Kyle Pitts was targeted, how how not involved he seemed to be, et cetera, et cetera, when everyone's freaking out. And it, it's funny because I wish we would have gotten this quote from Marcus back then because this is exactly what I think I wrote when I was saying, you know, I'm not exceptionally worried about Kyle Pitts' lack of targets yet. And it's because it really did to me when I was looking at it, it was like when you were looking at Kyle Pitts through the first three games of the, of the season – Marcus wasn't throwing the 50-50 ball to him. It just wasn't It wasn't going. If there was a, less than a yard of separation, it wasn't going to him. Now, I think what Marcus was saying today, and, and I even was looking at it, it's like, you know, he is getting a better understanding, I think, of the way that he can incorporate Kyle Pitts and get him more involved because he was like, you know, he said point blank, he was like, Kyle's going to be open if, even if he's somewhat covered. And I think that's such a good good point I think it's almost something that Marcus Mariota had to learn about Kyle Pitts and and vice versa because that to me is like feeling more confident and, and more uh, just comfortable giving Kyle that responsibility in that moment to go up and get the 50-50 ball those contested balls that to me is a sign that Marcus is sitting there in the pocket being like yes I know that he has somebody kind of all draped all over him but I trust him to come down with those 50-50 balls. I think that's a, that's a sign that there has been growth in that relationship on the field. Tori, another interesting thing I saw you tweet out today was the idea of Coach Smith did not say anything about the guys on IR. And look, obviously Patterson's mm-hmm. still a couple of weeks away before he's eligible. But again, you know, you and I nailed the idea of, okay, Deion Jones probably will not play again for the Falcons. And sure enough, a week after he was eligible to come off IR, he was traded away. But Marlon Davidson, Jalen Mayfield, even Damian Williams now is eligible to come off of IR at this point. I think it's very interesting just 
watching how this roster is. And, look, they're going to have some interesting decisions when they feel like Damian Williams is healthy because, I mean, let's be honest, Algiers is a guy they drafted. They like him. You can't argue with the production that Caleb Huntley is. I mean, look, he's not – Again, he's not running it like he's Jim Brown or something, but, I mean, he's been very productive for a guy and what they've asked mm-hmm. him to do. That running back room all of a sudden has got to have some interesting decisions over the next two, three, four weeks as far as how they kind of tweak the carries and who they carry and different things like that. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. It's a question that I've had, too, because when you think about it, you're like, yeah, Damien Williams could be called up at any point in time. And with CP potentially coming back at the beginning of November, it's like this group does look different in November than what it does right now. And it's like, but you can't take away from the fact that Tyler Algier and Caleb Huntley have been doing great things in the run game. And I mean, they've, they've looked, I think, like guys well above their their age or their years and experience in the league they're running the ball very well running the ball very physically and it's like do you move away from that because Damian Williams and CP are healthy again I mean that's I'm glad I'm not being paid to um, make those decisions because that's a hard that's hard a hard decision to to look at especially when it comes to Damian Williams I think more than Cordero Patterson because we've seen CP we know what CP can do we haven't really seen a lot of Damian Williams in it but you've seen so much of Tyler Algier and Caleb Huntley that you trust them in in those third down situations where you need two or three yards so for all of all of that to say yeah you're exactly right they have a, a lot of decisions to make in a lot of different places but especially with a healthy running back room when you have four guys deep and then also you have to include Avery Williams in that conversation too because he's getting sparing he's he's being used sparingly in a a few different ways especially coming out of the backfield so it's going to be interesting it's our weekly conversation with Tori McElhaney from AtlantaFalcons.com and she joins me here on the waitfor.com hotline quick follow-up to that you mentioned Avery Williams um we had our morning show had Dave Ragone on uh no not Dave Ragone um Who's the special teams? Uh, Marquise Williams, the special teams coordinator. Marquise, yeah. Uh, yes, Marquise Williams. And he talked about the idea of that he thought Avery Williams being, you know, in the running back position has helped him in the return game. Now, Arthur said, you know, hey, listen, we were talking to Avery Williams about maybe, you know, he might have to play some corner with all the injuries we had last Sunday. I wonder if they don't kind of tweak him a little bit back to corner now that Haywood's, you know, out for a while and, what their production may be, just to if they want to open up another running back spot. I think that roster manipulation is going to be pretty interesting, and I wonder if Avery Williams isn't one of those swing guys as far as just where they designate him. Yeah, I think it's absolutely an option. I mean, we saw him in training camp kind of go back and forth towards the end just to get some reps at at DB, but – um, I, I think it will be interesting. I feel like right now, even without Casey Hayward, with Casey being on IR, I do think the defense of that group is still in an okay spot. I thought Darren Hall played very well um, against the 49ers on Sunday. I think if you can get D. Alford, who was not practicing today, if you can get him back, he's played well for you. Uh, you have Isaiah Oliver back to play nickel. I mean, they, to me, when I'm looking at this defensive back group, like, to me, it's not necessary yet to move Avery Williams back there. 
Um, I think for right now, he's fine where he is. Now, is that a different conversation for two weeks from now when you do potentially get CP back, when you do elevate Damien Williams from IR? I mean, all of those things, I think, are always on the table for him to kind of go back and forth if the need arises. I don't know if that need is there yet. Tori, um, saw Michael Walker coming back to practice, and hopefully he's available this week. You know, when you look at this matchup against the Bengals, they have five guys that have caught over 20 passes, and Samaji Piran is another guy who's caught 12 passes coming out of the backfield. They really do a good job. Burrow does a great job of spreading the football around. They target a lot of different guys. And remember, I don't think a lot of Falcons fans know, they got Hayden Hurst. That's uh, that's part of their group as well, and he's got over 20 catches mm-hmm. this year. It really feels like, you know, with Casey Hayward down and they're kind of having to shift some guys around, it really does feel like Michael Walker and his coverage ability is going to be a important factor in getting him back and helping out in pass coverage this week. Yeah, I definitely think so, and I think, you know, we'll continue to, to watch – you know, how Michael Walker progresses through the week. Cause you know, you, those groin injuries are, are not fun, <laughs> mm-hmm. but you hope that he can kind of go back out there because he is the, the defensive signal caller. And even though Rashawn Evans had that responsibility against the 49ers this past week, you, you look at a guy like Michael Walker and it was interesting. Even Arthur Smith said today, you know, we're really happy with what Michael Walker has provided us. And I, I think when you talk about this Bengals offense, you talk about how they use all of their different receivers. And it may be a situation because Casey Hayward has statistically been arguably your best corner. When you don't have him on the field, who else can pick up the slack elsewhere? I think that's something that I've talked to a lot of offensive players about when CP went down. It was like CP could do all these different things. You have to spread out that responsibility to a a few different people. And I feel like they've done a good job of that. Well, how does that translate to now not having Casey Hayward out there? How does his responsibilities and what offenses look to attack with this defense change when he's not on the field? I think you're exactly right in that that potentially if Michael Walker gets the green light to to get on the field on Sunday, his role expands a little bit. Tori, last question for you. Any concerns about where we are with the pass rush? Believe it or not, I know they've lost two sacks over the last couple of weeks because of penalties. But they're actually off pace. Um, they're off pace of what they were last year at this time, as far as total number of sacks. And obviously, it did not end very well for you know how many sacks they had. They had ten sacks, believe it or not, through this time last season, through six games, eight sacks thus far. Look, I think Ebikadi has done a great job. I hope he continues to stay on the field. I don't want to see Ogundeji injured, but I want to see more of Ebikadi. But is there some concern that with the last couple of weeks that Yes, I understand that penalties took a couple of sacks off, but they have not registered any sacks. They need to get back, it feels like, this week because Burrow's been sacked 21 times already this season. feels like this is the week to get healthy. Yeah, I I agree uh, with that wholeheartedly. I think the reason, too, why you've seen that sack production kind of taper off a little bit, if we're just looking at the 49ers, the way they play, the way Jimmy Garoppolo operates the offense, it doesn't really like allow the the penetration to get there and to the extent where you're getting sacks. I think you saw him a lot of times checking down. I think you saw him a lot with those quick passes to whoever it was, whether it's Debo Samuels or whoever. 
that to me is not the fact that the sack numbers aren't there right now isn't a huge indicator of this defensive front not working because I do think that the defensive front when you watch them over the course of the first six games of this season I think they are way more productive in causing errant throws making the quarterback uncomfortable in the pocket I mean that was something that we talked about at this time last year, of that was a problem area for this defensive front for the Falcons. They weren't getting the quarterback off of his spot. They weren't making him uncomfortable. I do think that now they are. Now, just because the sack numbers aren't there, I don't necessarily think that that's you know the end-all, be-all. It would be great to have with the amount of times that you're seeing Taquan Graham or Arnold Ebicati getting to the quarterback and hitting the quarterback but not necessarily bringing him down. You, you hope that that extra step comes. But for right now, I'm not overly worried about it. But I do believe, you know, I'm, I'm, we're on the same page where I think, like, this is a good opportunity for when they face the Bengals this Sunday to, to kind of see that number maybe go up a little bit. Follow her on Twitter, at Tori underscore McElhaney. We talk to her every Wednesday throughout the season. Tori McElhaney is a reporter for AtlantaFalcons.com. Check out all of her work there. And she joined us here on the WaitFor.com hotline. Tori, as always, appreciate it. Uh, enjoy the weekend, and we will talk again next Wednesday. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. John Chuckery will be back. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey.com app. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast we get it attention spans just aren't what they used to be heads in social media and eyes on netflix but what do people do with their ears well for one they're listening to audio americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day oh and you want the proof well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. 
Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. We've heard so much about you. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Back with you, John Chuckery Show. Live in the Kia Studios Tuesday night with you. We are uh, going to head to the top of the hour. What do we got coming up after? Is JR Sports Brief? Okay. So uh, here's what we got. We'll, we can take more of your phone calls at 404 741 0929. If you didn't get a chance to jump in earlier when we were taking calls, you can jump in now. 404-741-0929. Talking about the Hawks, obviously, tonight. Nice win to start the season off with. 117-107 against the Houston Rockets uh, in a night where Trey Young did not shoot well, but you had four guys go for 20-plus points. DeJounte Murray was outstanding. 20 points, 11 assists, no turnovers in that game. Uh, tonight, and Trey Young, of course, had 23 points, 13 assists. Collins had 24 points. Hunter had 22 points. Okongwu had 13 and 9 uh, off the bench. Um, good all the way around, you know. And look, Houston stuck around. And I said earlier, that's a game last year they wouldn't have won. Shooting 28% from three, getting out-rebounded. Trey going one for nine from three, not shooting well from the field. That kind of game they'd, they'd lose last year. Remember, they had a big lead against Houston last year at home and blew that game. So, again, it's a game that last year would have been a loss. This year, hopefully a turning of the corner and a little bit different. So, if you want to jump in and give us your thoughts, 404-741-0929 is the phone line. Uh, we got Dylon uh, back there producing another show. He'll uh, answer your calls. Did want to mention, too, we did have football on tonight. Georgia State was in action. They got out to a 14-0 lead over App State. You know what happened after that? They got outscored 42-3 in that game. Ain't getting a whole lot out of their passing game. Cameron Peoples, he's the running back for App State. He's the guy that ran all over Texas A&M earlier this year. Remember when they beat A&M in the second game of the season? Cameron Peoples was, you know, he's their big offensive weapon. He's one of the all-time leading running backs in App State history. Yeah, he went for 23 carries and 168 yards and two touchdowns, averaging 7.3 yards per attempt. App State tonight ran for 404 yards against Georgia State. 404 yards is what they ran for. They just that's they that's just rushing yards. Yes, they ran for 404 on state. They threw oh it. They gosh. threw it for 62 yards. They had 62 yards passing, and they ran it for 404 yards. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, after that 14-0 lead, it was defense optional. So, State falls to 2-5, and five, and uh, I don't know if they got a bowl game in them. They got to go, listen, 
Old Dominion next week. That's a team who beat Virginia earlier this year. Southern Miss is always a strange game at Southern Miss. Louisiana Monroe's been up and down. Then you finish at James Madison, who until last week was ranked, and at Marshall, which is not an easy place to play either. I don't know if they got a bowl game in them or not because they got to find four more wins to get to a bowl game because they're 2-5 and five now. I don't know how they're going to win four of their last five. I, I'm not sure that I see it. Maybe they can, but I don't see how they pick up four of their last five and get themselves back to a bowl game this year. And that would be a very big disappointment considering that this was considered to be one of the better teams that Georgia State had brought back. A lot of returning talent. And we talked to Dave Cohen at the start of the year, and there was a lot of expectation about, okay, this is going to be a pretty good squad. Hopefully, you know, they could run the football. They could do a few things in the passing game, play a little bit better defense, got to avoid the big play. That all went out the window. They got off to a rough start and really haven't bounced back. And they were close early on. Could have knocked off North Carolina. Could have knocked off South Carolina. But they've just not really recovered. So they're 2-5 and five on the season now. So we'll see. I'm not sure that they have four of their five, you know, last games that they can uh, find a victory in. But we will see what uh, what happens. All right, 404-741-0929. Let's go out to the phone and Tony out in Norcross. What's up, Tony? All right, what's going on, Chuck? Thank hey, you, man. appreciate it, man. Yeah, man, no problem, bud. Hey, man, I just want to say you're right. You hit the nail on the head, man. Last year, the Hawks would not have won that game. If Trey didn't shoot well, there was nobody to, to back him up. You know what I'm saying? So it's good to hear that. You know, I like that team. I didn't even watch the game, but to hear the numbers, that's big. You know, that's, that's big right there. And uh, that kid who running the ball for App State, the Falcons, need to definitely take a look at them. Yeah. That team, it, they upset a few teams earlier this year, didn't they? They App did. They, they're the ones that beat Texas A&M earlier this year. Cameron Peoples is one of the all-time leading rushers for App State. He's had a marvelous career there. Now, he's not the biggest guy in the world, but he runs violently. He's a terrific, terrific player for them. So, But uh, back to your point about the Hawks. Look, I mean, 28% from three. Trey was one for nine. Even DeJounte Murray was only one for five. Those two guys combined for two for 14. They did not shoot the ball exceptionally well. They were only 83% at the line, too. But, again, Collins stepped up. Hunter stepped up. And and Capella only had two points in that game. He was only one for three in 26 minutes in that game. And the one basket he made was a tip-in, tip-back in. So, you know, again, this is a game that they would have found a way to lose last year. These are the kinds of games where you would, you know, in a game where I told you they shot 20% from three, they got out-rebounded. Capella only had two points on one for three. And Trey, you know, shot one for nine from three. You'd have to assume that Trey would have had gone for about 40 in a game like that last year. He'd had to get 40, 50 points for them to win a game like that this last year. This team's different. And we talked about DeJounte Murray. He comes right out of the gate. Look, he played like he's an all-star caliber player right out of the gate. I mean, and look, they're trying to get adjusted, trying to get things figured out right. You're trying to build chemistry, and that's going to take some, you know, take some time. But the reality is you got 24 points and three turnovers, or 24 assists and three turnovers out of your two guards tonight. And I'm going to be very curious how they mix up the minutes. Because, you know, they brought, they pulled Murray out in the first quarter of the game tonight. And Trey was kind of playing by himself and, and they were getting back to some of that. I'm going to be curious to watch how Nate McMillan makes his minutes go along in this. Like how how his rotation is, 
Does he go a little bit deeper? They played four guys off the bench tonight. The two holidays, uh, Okongwu and then Jalen Johnson as well. No A.J. Griffin tonight. I was a little bit surprised that they didn't play him in that game tonight. But um, I'm going to be curious to see how how Nate goes about using this bench. Because obviously for right now, you don't have bogey. He's recovering from shoulder surgery. Steve Holman said on the call tonight that he thought it'd be a week or two or maybe less. So that's good news if we're talking about, let's even a worst-case scenario say that it's a couple of weeks. That's pretty good news. You know, if you get him back, that gives you another offensive piece. I thought they'd mix in A.J. Green tonight and see what he's got offensively. But, you know, sometimes our coach doesn't always like to play all the young guys and things like that. So, you know, he's not not as uh, not as hyped about uh, all of that. Should but. be happy Jalen Johnson is starting to get minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, I mean, he got, you know, he got 14 minutes in that game tonight, and he was kind of, you know, you could tell. Look, he re- – you could tell that, you know, this isn't G League anymore. You know, this is this is big boy basketball up here. So, you know, a little bit different. But Okongwu was terrific tonight. He had 13 points and nine boards coming off the bench. And, look, in some ways it was a blessing with how much he had to go in and play last year, right? And part of that Capella being hurt and this, any other. You know, maybe all of that time that he got last year really benefits you this year where you hope that – and again, we said this earlier in the show. Look, Hunter, Capella, um, and um uh John Collins, their games played needs to start with a seven this year. Needs to start with a seven. Or worst case, for like Capella 68-69, but they need Hunter and Collins to have a seven in that first number of how many games they played. Because if they start getting into playing only 60 some odd games. This team's going to struggle. You're not going to have enough bodies. Remember, you know, with the moves, you know, with Gallinari gone, you know, Herter gone, things like that. You know, if you start losing some other guys, you don't, you just don't have the experience this year. You don't have as many experienced guys on your bench. And again, they've got the, you know, Frank Kaminsky's of the world and, and you know, Gavones like that. Who's the big stiff that we were joking about? His last name is spelled K-R-E-J-C-I. How the hell do you pronounce that? You don't. That, that's how you Gracie? pronounce it. Yeah. He looked like some big stiff on the bench. That's what he looked. He ought to change his last name to S-T-I-F-F. <laughs> anyway, but a good win all the way around. And, you know, look, the, um, the Hawks, you know, they have a chance to get themselves off to a pretty good start this season. When you look at what their schedule is early on, They've got Orlando coming up Friday at home. They stink. Charlotte, yes, was a playoff team, but remember, we knocked them out of the playoffs in the play-in game last year. That comes up on Sunday, and then you'll have back-to-back games, and this is weird. They're going to have back-to-back games in Detroit on Wednesday and Friday. Now, how the hell does that happen? How do you play back-to-back games in the same city two days apart from one another. They've started doing that. Like, there was a little bit of that last year. Mm-hmm. There, are, there are a lot of games or a lot of instances like that this year, not only with the Hawks, but with teams all around the NBA. Like, why they're doing this, I don't know. I guess to, like, somewhat limit the travel and limit, like, the amount of times you got to go into a certain region. I, I don't know. Well, I, look, 
I could understand that in Canada because they're still they're still heavy COVID. Yeah, you know, I mean they're still they've yeah. still got all the protocols for COVID. But Detroit, look, I understand Detroit's a third world country. Maybe, maybe somebody didn't tell them that that's Detroit in the United States, and they thought it was Kabul. Oh my gosh. Because that's like what flying into Detroit's about the same as flying into Afghanistan, is it not? Oh my flying into God. Kabul. It's about the same thing. There might be listeners that are from that well, are from Detroit. Uh, yeah. We got listen, a lot of transplant people. Uh, listen, Chuck. There, there's there's probably less war in Kabul than there is in Detroit oh on the streets gosh. of Detroit. <laughs> but again, that's a weird schedule. And look, they do this with some home and aways because in the month of November they'll play a Thursday Saturday where they go back to back with Philadelphia two games. So home with Philly on Thursday, then in Philadelphia on a Saturday. So it is weird to see some of these scheduling quirks, but I don't know why they felt like they needed to schedule two games with Detroit on the road in Detroit. <laughs> I just Of all places to get stuck. Look, you're not getting stuck in New York or New Orleans or you, you mean you you mean to tell me you wouldn't want to go travel the beautiful city of Detroit and go walk up eight mile and all that good if stuff? If I have my six shooter with me on my side, sure. <laughs> if I have an Uzi with me. Not an Uzi. <laughs> I have that with me. And remember, you know, words of wisdom. Ain't no Uzi's made in Harlem. So <laughs> do you know what movie that's from? No, I don't. Yeah, exactly. Oh, boy. I know what a Uzi is, though. Yes, yes, yes. The famous line, ain't no Uzis made in Harlem. So you can look that up as far as uh, what movie that comes from. But, no, look, Hawks have a chance because Detroit's not a very good team. Hawks have a chance early on with Orlando, Charlotte, two in Detroit. They can get themselves off to a good start here, you know, in the month of October. And then, you know, you get into Milwaukee, Toronto, you know, New York, uh, New Orleans. New Orleans roll tonight. So the schedule starts to ramp up as you get toward Halloween in the early part of November. All right, when we come back, one NFL writer says the Falcons have the easiest remaining schedule in the NFL. We'll take a look at it. It's up next. Chuck Green, the Kia Studios, Sports Radio, and after the game, Odyssey.com app. Back to more John Chuckery. Now I'm having a good time. Having a good time. Sports Radio 92.9, the game. Sports Radio, Nights of the Game, Chuck Rinakia Studios, hanging out with you head to the top of the hour, the JR Sports Brief coming up next. Uh 404-7410929. Solomon Brothers, I'm a text on to be part of the show. Odyssey app site catch on the go. Social media nights on the game at JMCH316 at underscore Dylan Matthews. We'll get to a Falcons here in just a second. Dylan, I was gonna save this <clears throat> for next week, but we'll go ahead and do it now. So I have a map here of the top selling NBA gear by state. So it, it get, so each state, the team that the team that they was the most gear was sold by team by state for the 2022 offseason. Okay. Okay. So if I said the state of Georgia, what would you guess the top selling? What team sold the most gear? Braves. No, no. NBA. Oh, top NBA. Selling NBA gear. Oh, like so, like, <clears throat> um, like what jersey or something? No. What team? What team? What team sold the most NBA gear in the state of Georgia? I would guess the Hawks. Yes. Yeah. What would you guess for the state of Pennsylvania? The Lakers. State of Pennsylvania. Oh no no, no I'm sorry. The Sixers. Oh god. Sorry. <laughs> Can I take this pen and stab my eye? Um, no, don't do that. <clears throat> sorry. All right. What? What team you think represented 
California, Nevada, Alaska, Hawaii, and believe it or not, New York. What team would you say, what team sold the most NBA gear in those states? Was that the Lakers? Yes. Okay. Even in the state of New York, that's the crazy. Sold the be- most gear. It's better because like Knicks fans think they're doing all this and that, and they they think they're doing hot stuff now. Right. So you would think the Knicks would kind of take over, take back New York. Um, Massachusetts, Vermont, and Maine. The Celtics. Yep. Okay. <clears throat> um, Arizona. Oh, the Suns. Yep. Okay. Ready? Yes. New Mexico, Texas, Oklahoma. Arkansas, Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, wow. Florida, South Carolina, North Carolina, oh my God, Virginia, West Virginia, Maryland, New Jersey, Connecticut, um, Kentucky, oh. Tennessee, Ohio, Indiana, Illinois, Missouri, Kansas, Nebraska, Iowa, South Dakota, what? North Dakota. Montana. So basically the rest of the states? Almost. Almost. Colorado's the Nuggets. Yeah. Utah's the Jazz. All those states I just mentioned. What team do you think sold the most NBA gear in those states? Gosh. I mean, you would guess the Lakers, but we already said the Lakers, so I yep. know it's not them. Yep. The it's only the other Lakers. the only other team I think that would have that much pull has got to be the Warriors, right? No. It's not the Warriors? But that's not a bad call. But I think you almost have to think old school in this. In this, they are Not, in the Eastern Conference. I will tell you that. Is it the Bulls? The Bulls. Wow. And that's probably Michael and uh, yeah. right. I mean the the Jordan factor. Right. Right. But that's <gasps> crazy yeah. though. All those states. The SuperSonics was Washington State. Um, <laughs> the Trailblazers was Oregon. Uh, the Jazz in Utah, the Pistons in Michigan, the Bucks in Wisconsin, the Timberwolves in Minnesota, um, the 76ers also in the, um, uh, what the hell state is that? Delaware, I believe. Is that, the, is that oh, Delaware? Wow. Is Delaware the little state right next to Maryland? Uh, it's either Delaware, it's it's not Maine. Maine's no, farther Maine, north. Maine's up in the far yeah. northeast. So, uh, yeah, it has to be Delaware. I think it's Delaware. 76ers in in Pennsylvania and Delaware, and I don't think that there's anybody else. But when you look at this map, the Hawks sitting there in the middle of all of the Bulls states because every southern state in the union was Chicago Bulls with the top wow. merchandise seller. That's crazy, crazy, huh? Crazy. I know. I you, but again, it's probably the old school. Yeah, you know, it's Michael and all those guys and everything like that. So does that does that count like shoes too? Like would that count Jordan's shoes? I, I guess. I mean, it says NBA gear. I mean, I don't know what that means. It's from Lids, and it's it's NBA gear. Okay. This was put out by Nick <clears throat> DePaula, who is the ESPN. He covers. Footwear industry and NBA, WNBA, and NIL deals. So I'm guessing that, you know, jersey, shoes, everything. I guess everything probably factored into it. So that's probably that's a good call. Yeah. Probably because of the shoe factor and everything like that. All right. So Mike Clay is a NFL writer for ESPN. And he's got a chart here. <clears throat> Rest of season. NFL strength of schedule. Now, this is the part that gets kind of funky, kind of wonky, based upon my current evaluation of each team. 
Okay. <clears throat> He's got the four hardest schedules for teams. New England, the Jets, Cleveland, and he's got the Bears with the hardest schedule. Coming in at number five with the easiest schedules in reverse order. The Buccaneers he has is the fifth easiest schedule. The Cowboys he has is the fourth easiest schedule. The Baltimore Ravens he has is the third easiest schedule. The Philadelphia Phillies he has as the second easiest schedule. Guess who he's got for the easiest schedule in the NFL the rest of the way? Wait, the who? Who was before that? You, you're, you're fi- it's Tampa at five, Dallas at four, Baltimore at three, Philadelphia with the second easiest. No, I'm, I was messing with you because you called it. You called them the Phillies. Oh, I did. Yeah. Okay, the Eagles. <laughs> <clears throat> well, they're all scuzz buckets. What do I care? Right. I mean, you want to fly? In, I mean, I'd rather fly in a Kabul than fly in a Philly or Detroit. So. <laughs> okay. I didn't mean to open up that can of worms yeah. again. <laughs> Guess who has the easiest schedule that, according to this chart in the NFL? The Atlanta Falcons. We talked about this, didn't we, like a couple weeks ago. Look, I think the Falcons can win in Cincinnati. I don't think it's a fait accompli. The Cincinnati Bengals are just going to go in and take care of their business against the Falcons. Then you talk about Carolina at home, the Chargers at home, who had to hang on for dear life to beat that Broncos team on Monday night with their one-legged kicker. Thursday in Carolina, the Bears, Washington, who might even have a new owner by then, Pittsburgh, bye week, and then this is where it gets tough for the Falcons. You're at New Orleans, at Baltimore, home with Arizona, home with Tampa Bay. That could be four teams that are looking at a playoff spot. New Orleans could have things go sideways very quickly, though. Like right now, they're not playing very good football. They could they could very much be out of the playoff picture, but you could potentially <clears throat> have four teams at the end of the year that are really fighting for a playoff spot. Baltimore, Tampa, Arizona, those teams could definitely be fighting for a playoff spot. But it is interesting because we talked about this. There is room for the Falcons to start looking at realistically picking up some wins. Now, I'm not going to go John Freaky and start to, oh, a division. They may win the division. Maybe the Super Bowl. I don't know. They could probably beat Kansas City and Buffalo. I don't, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> anyway. John not, Freaky? Yeah, him. The guy in the morning that's coming up in about five hours from right now. John so, Freaky? Him. Yep. He'll be on in about five hours. But Carolina, the Chargers, the that what do we say about that Bears-Washington game? The commissioner should have come out on the field and canceled that game. He should have waved everybody off the field and said, you two teams are not allowed to represent the league anymore this week. Regroup, take some time off, get your crap together, and come back in a week on Sunday. Otherwise, get out of my league. That's what he should have said. So there are very much some games, but I thought it was interesting that He's got the Falcons with the easiest remaining schedule in the NFL. Now, look, doesn't mean the Falcons are going to roll off a whole bunch of wins and things like that. But with the way the Falcons play, control the line of scrimmage, run the football, don't put your quarterback in harm's way too often. They can be in every single game. It's why they've gotten themselves to 3-3. and Because they have, in a lot of ways, coached their way into that. They've played their way. They've taken the talent that they have 
and coached it in a way to get it and to maximize what they have and get it to three and three. So very interesting that Mike Clay of ESPN, he's got the Falcons with the easiest schedule. And that's part of why Tampa has the fifth easiest schedule, right? Because they're going to play a lot of the same teams. You're going to have a lot of those teams that that, that play because New Orleans is ninth. So that tells you, like, you okay, because, again, it would make no sense to say New Orleans is 25th because they're going to have basically the same schedule in a lot of ways as the as the Falcons do, you know, give or take a couple of games here or there or whatever. But still very interesting what he had to say about all of it. All right, I want to get back and wrap it up with a love TKO. Chuck Green, the Kia Studios, Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game, and the Odyssey.com app. Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game. We're wrapping things up on the John Chuckery Show. Doing what we always do, that love TKO. JR Sports Brief coming up next for your listening pleasure. We'll uh, give you the schedule for the rest of the week here in just a second. Before we do that, though, I want you to have a chance to listen to what is the greatest opening lyric in all of music history. All right, don't forget, we got Thursday night football coming up tomorrow. Don't forget, that's the Saints playing out in uh, Arizona, or as Freaky calls him. So, anyway. Um, so that's coming up tomorrow. And then, of course, Friday. Yeah, him, the guy in the morning, about five hours from now. Um, so, uh, is there no high school football show on Friday? Because we got Hawks. The high school football show is doing what is pulling what you pull tonight at EOG to midnight. Ah, okay. Yes. All right. So they will be on after Hawks basketball. So we got the high school football show. I will be back with you on Saturday morning for college football game time. But don't forget, noon to six on Saturday is our 10th anniversary party. And you know, Dylan, ask me how much it costs listeners to get in. How much? Free. Free. Free to enter. New Realm Brewing Company, it's right there on the Beltline. Come on out and hang out with us. We're going to be broadcasting from 12 to 5. I'll be on from 4 to 5. But we got present, past, every jamoke in the world is going to be out there right now. We got everybody that's out there. And we're going to wear name tags, we found out uh, today. Hi, my name is Dylon. Yeah, I hope that's what they are. I hope that they are literally... Those old school, hello, my name is. Right. Oh, God, that would be be so great. That would be the best thing of all time. So two things I want you, or actually, let me get three things I need you to do, though, when you're there, okay? One is, ask Mike and Carl if you can have a hey, yo, ale. Oh, here we go. When you see Randy Mack, ask him for a selfie. And when you see John Freaky. John Freaky? Yeah, him. When you see John Freaky, ask him for a hug as a thanks for 10 great years. So be sure to give Freaky a hug. So anyway, uh, no, it's gonna be a good time out there. Yep, we'll uh, we'll be out there all day broadcasting again from noon to five, and then of course you guys can hang out with us from noon to six. I ain't gonna be there from noon to six, but I'll be out there later on. Um, not that anybody cares, but I mean, listen, I'll we I'll all be there care. Eventually. No, not really. I mean, you know, because I don't care. So <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I am excited to see some of my old uh, cohorts and stuff like that. So. I know some people that are specifically coming in town and stuff like that. So it should be a good time. So join us out there. All right, we'll catch you on Saturday for Dylan's Chuckery. We'll see you. Bye. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? 
Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.